Welcome back to another summer edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. Today we got into the Miami Heat. We had Hot Hot Hoops managing editor, um, Surya Fernandez, joined us. Super knowledgeable, really cool guy to talk to, and he really knows his team. And it was an interesting conversation, to say the least. It could be a really weird year for the Heat. And I think that's an understatement. Once you get into the conversation, you'll know what we're talking about. We got into Bosch. We talked about what happened with Wade this summer. And then we talked a little bit about Whiteside and the future of this team. Um, so there's definitely some things going in a lot of different directions, and we kind of tried to bring it all together on this podcast for a little Heat offseason preview. But before you listen to this podcast, as always, we'd love it if you could subscribe, rate, review, all those good things, uh, wherever you find your podcast, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, I think it's on there. You could find this anywhere, and you can find it on sbnation.com backslash MBA, where it goes up uh, as soon as we launch it. And send us your questions. Those questions are great. You'll see we get to them through every single one of these podcasts. They help us move it along, keep it interesting. And, and we genuinely love listening and, and hearing from our listeners. Um, so you can send those questions to MikePreda at SBNation.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at MikePredaSBN, at Limited underscore Upside, and at EpiBen. Um, and again, this was the Miami Heat preview. Um, we had Surya Fernandez from Hot Hot Hoops. Mike Prada, as always, and I'm Ben Epstein, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode of the Limited Upside Podcast. Shut up and sit down. All right, welcome back. The Miami Heat are up next. We have Surya Fernandez from Hot Hot Hoops, the SB Nation Miami Heat blog. I think the first place we have to start, though, is with someone who's still technically on the roster but is not playing, unfortunately, and that is Chris Bosh. Uh, and before we get into all the sort of details of the sort of public feud that he's been having with Miami, I think the first place to start is just how, how bad we feel for the guy, for all the health problems he's going through. He's failed a third test he has blood clots again you know it's just it's really sad to see someone who's one of the league's good guys and I'm sure the first thought for Heat fans right now is just pain for what Bosch is going through right yeah totally uh thanks for having me um the it, yeah I mean we can only look at the basketball side of it and say wow the Heat are losing you know such a great player so versatile but then to to take away what he loves so much to do and to play and, and you feel for him, you know, on a personal level as well. Uh, and, and make no mistake about it, it. It is a profound loss for, for the heat on, on the floor. Uh, but he's just, he's such a, a, a great guy. He's eloquent. Um, he, he has many interests outside of basketball, but you, there's no doubt that he has passion for the game because he wants to come back so badly and he can go to as, as many doctors as he wants, but, there's really is no assurance of what will happen if you know if he really does play at, on an NBA level of basketball and how yeah. how his body can can withstand that and we're seeing now for a third time now that that really it, it it's it's not possible that, that's the heat stance on this and and we all know how how much Chris wants to come back um, but I mean that, that's that's a that's a tough decision for for any NBA team to make. Because that would be a, a complete public relations nightmare to say nothing of 
of, of a tragedy that he could have because this isn't something that, oh, okay, well, he has a, a major knee issue and right. uh, th- we're not sure if this team is going to clear him to play. This is something that is, is beyond basketball. Um, so we don't want anything like that to happen to him. And, and I, I think that's what the Heat want to do. I, I don't think that it's a cap space issue. Um, although it, I think for the team and as the organization, it is time to move on because ever since LeBron left, this has been this huge issue, whether or not Bosch can play and whether or not he can play a full season. And, and, and he hasn't been able to. Yeah, uh, so there's a lot of, lot, lot of things in this equation to account it, for. It seems like it. It seems like there's, there's a medical side of this. There's a, a financial side of this. There's a lot of converging elements that make this. Um, and there's also a timetable component here. He, he missed or has missed such a substantial period of time. And you have to decide at what point do you model the rest of the team around a guy who might not ever be there. There's a lot going on. Prater, what do you what do you think are the biggest? If you're the Miami Heat as an organization, let's start with that, and then let's do Bosch the person side of this, which I think Syria has a much better beat on. As an organization, what are your biggest concerns, Prater? Well, the number one concern is that what if he plays and he something terrible happens on the court? I mean, I understand the restraint here. I mean, he he has clots in his lungs. I mean, that's incredibly serious problem and I think it should be noted as well that this is a lot of the same people that went through stuff with Alonzo Mourning and his kidney problem and I think one thing that hasn't been mentioned a lot is that I believe Eric Spolster was on the floor when Hank Gathers collapsed I was going to bring up Hank Gathers the first moment you you talked about the liability component man yeah so the sincerity of you know their stance there I don't think should be questioned I, I think they it's a very difficult situation. They've been very private with how they've handled it as they should. And you don't want to, it's not just from the perspective of liability. I mean, like they don't want to do that to Chris Bosch. I mean, that would be horrible. Uh, One thing that I think is, is sort of worth talking about a little bit more is that, well, are their actions, their actions may be sound, but it, why, why would Bosch, Bosch has been very aggressive and kind of telling his side of the story. He's got this documentary series that he's been doing where he's he's talked about uh, how he felt like, I think he said something along the lines of they never really were giving him a chance. The Heat Doctors, he felt like he was sort of set up to fail. He said a lot of things. He's been very, he's posted every workout video, it seems like, on the internet <laughs> ever to try to prove that he's ready to play. He's talked very openly about you can't just trust the team's diagnosis. You have to do your own homework. He's finding his own doctors. He's correctly said that there are players that have played through this condition on thinners, including one in town or one time in town, uh, hockey player Thomas Fleischman. Uh, he's done all this stuff, but why? You have to wonder, like, why he's kind of gone out in this manner. Uh, the other key thing he said is that he said that he never told him. He found out about his failed test through the media. And you have to kind of wonder why would he go through all this if he didn't feel like there was something. Perhaps not in the Heat's actions, but maybe in the Heat's sort of in the process that they've gone about this that he doesn't like. The Heat, you know, as far as I know, because just from covering the team uh, and from even before that, um, just following them, I've known them always to be a very private organization. They keep everything close. They don't really have those kind of sources that you hear that that leak everything. The, the, The Heat are really tight with that. And maybe Pat Riley is a little old school in that because he really not to deal with that sort of thing, maybe during the Showtime Lakers and all that. But I don't know if they're very comfortable with Chris Bosh, the brand, you know, just coming out with, with those that kind of information. I think they're, of course, they're going to be tolerant about, you know, 
all the other endeavors that he, he has a Thai business. He has, you know, uh, a ton of things. Dwayne Wade was like that too. And, and, and many other players will be, and, and, and that's fine. But when, when Bosch was starting to talk about team doctors and what they told him and this and that and giving updates without really going through the team like that, I think the team feels uncomfortable about that to say the least. And I think that's why they probably had to take that kind of stance and, I, I don't know if they tried to reach out. They claimed that they did try to reach out to Bosch before that, you know, when, when the physical was failed. But at the same time, I can kind of see their point where it's like, okay, well, we're trying to reach out to you this whole summer. That's what they're saying, at least. We haven't really heard back from you, your representatives. So we're just going to – we're, we're going to control this message about him not being on the team anymore. Because if we tell him earlier, then – Bosch will just come out with an, a new video talking about it. You know what I mean? Before the Heat can really prepare anything. So I think the Heat would have preferred everybody to be on the same page, a press conference together with Bosch. And the, but I think Bosch's actions couldn't really let them do that. Not that it, there was anything wrong with it, but it's you know it's Bosch himself, the the man, and then you know Bosch the, the Miami Heat player. Which one ends and which one begins? And I think Bosch sure. feels very isolated in in with this kind of incident. And I think the Heat are just, they're holding firm on this. I mean, that's what their team doctor said. Uh, supposedly, the, the, the NBA's doctors have said the same thing to Bosch. Bosch traveled to New York after his physical. I don't know w- which other team is going to clear Bosch or, or the NBA is going to clear Bosch to play. So I really don't know what his, I don't even know if he knows himself what the next steps are. But I think for the Heat, again, they, they have to move on. They they have young players now. They would They would have loved to play with Bosch. Bosch could have done so much for this team and last year and the year before as well. Um, I, I don't think it's because of that. Like they just want to get rid of him for cap space. I think they would be ecstatic if they could sign a player like Bosch for that kind of contract in today's NBA. And I don't think they're going to find a better player than him with that cap space. So it, it's hard for me to believe that all this is just governed by trying to get rid of Bosch because he's, you know, over the hill or something. He, he's not clearly, he could have been a benefit to them. So I, 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 I think that the Heat would have preferred to have the whole, you know, message conveyed their way. And Bosch has his way of, of doing it. And he's been doing that since, you know, back in Toronto, too, uh, trying to get all-star votes and all that. He's always been very comfortable with that. Um, so I, I think right now it's it's a matter of who's <laughs> – it, there's there's different messages coming out from both parties. Who, who do you believe in? Where is it that re- – what's the reality that, that really happened between the two – and that communication breakdown. Sure. And it feels like a situation that the NFL is kind of in with their concussion protocol where there needs to be that independent arbiter, medical arbiter, if you will. Um, you know, and if that's from the NBA or if that's from outside of the NBA, um, just someone to kind of step in and say, you know, this is actually the foundation of medical health. You need to be in the NBA and we cannot approve this. It's too much of a liability. We can't have someone who's been such a visible star in the NBA collapse not die any of that just even collapse um and and have that as as if that's like a a small thing you know right yeah i mean and that's you know to go back to the hank gathers situation that was you know uh, that was medication that was known that was a a heart muscle issue i believe um and and it was the medication itself that ended up you know making him uh, i believe uh ultimately made him made him pass out so you can have something under control um and right. still not f- fully be there I, I had a blood clot near where i had my achilles surgically repaired and i had to give myself a, a, 
a needle in the stomach every day for 48 days and it made me tired. It makes you lethargic, you know, and, and whether right. or not he thinks he can shoot and put on, uh, you know, uh, 20 minute or 20 second videos of himself playing basketball is a lot mm. different than playing an NBA game um, and playing 82 of them. Um, you know, so I, I feel like there's definitely um, something at play here where it's very difficult to tell someone who his whole life has been in, in a position of, of power, of, of I'm an NBA player. This is what I'm great at. This is how I've defined my life. And he is someone with, as you mentioned, extracurricular abilities. He is intelligent. He's articulate. He has, you know, artistic ability, I believe. And, and there are things that you can, you can tell him he can do, but until he's okay with that and has the peace of mind that this is the end, I just think it's one of those, this is my opinion and that's just your opinion situations. Yeah, it's tough. We should quickly mention i i agree that like the the heat are not looking at this and saying oh this is great we can get him off our books now. <laughs> you right. know they would never do something like that uh we should explain exactly what that is um so bosch has not played since february of last year so if bosch is not has not played for a calendar year what the, what can happen is that the team and the player can kind of appoint sort of a and a, a doctor that is approved by the Players Association and the league to make sort of an independent ruling on Bosch's health status. Uh, and if that person says that, that Bosch cannot play in the NBA, in the NBA again, he can never be cleared uh, health-wise, or they would not recommend clearing him, the Heat can have him go under through medical retirement. He will get his money via insurance, but he does get cleared off the salary cap. Uh, and that can happen, again, if he doesn't play in a single game this year, that can happen in February, and so he can be off the books by this summer. However, if he returns to play, and I believe this almost happened with Darius Miles, I want to say, and this could have happened with Brandon Roy, this is not totally unprecedented. If he returns and plays 25 games with another team, that money goes right back on Miami's books. So I, I just kind of, I don't think the Heat are thinking and saying, well, this is our chance to get off Bosch, not at all, but I, I do... There is probably a part of them that, that thinks, you know, look, this is the situation. Like, we just don't know if this guy can ever play again. And obviously, we probably don't aren't sure for his sake, for his humanity, that we want him to play again. Given that, here is one way we can move on. I, I think that's right. worth thinking about. I'm, I'm, I think that in Bosch's view, that may be... You know, again, in a gap of communication. It also should be noted, by the way, that Bosch recently fired his agent, I believe. So I wonder, I have no idea how that's related, but I, I know that happened recently. Um, so in a gap of communication, you have to think that some of these sort of lingering thoughts that come up do sort of present themselves to your own psyche. It's like, well, if they're not talking to me, if we can't talk, like, are they just trying to get rid of me? And, you know, and I, I think... You know, maybe that's it's some of these feelings are kind of more important uh, than what's actually going on in in some cases. Right. And he doesn't want to No NBA player wants to be reduced to just be a, a burden on their team and being just a cap space, you know, a nightmare, so to speak. But he does take up a lot of the a chunk of the salary. It, it's unpredictable what he whether um, as as, uh, as Ben said, I mean, you could be mm -hmm. fatigued. How can he really? Put up with and all that travel and it's, sure. it's too too many questions. It's too unsure and and he he isn't you know a a, a bench player. He's he's their best player. Think, <laughs> right. of, think of any NBA team and their best player. It, it would be going through the situation. It, it would be a, a huge hindrance to any team, um, let alone a team that's trying to 
rebuild after after the big three and all that. Um, so it's just it's a complicated situation. It, it really is, and it's and it's been fascinating the way it's been played out and all that. The only thing that I would say is that I just I thank God that that Bosch is okay. He's with yep. his family, yes, and and he and he is getting better, and and that's number one I think uh, before totally anything. So if if you want, if if the Heat are trying to save Bosch for himself, uh, or if it's just because of uh, they need to move on, or maybe it's something in between, it's in a little bit of a gray area, then okay. But I think I think the Heat could do some stuff with that cap space that would be interesting. Now, could they use that um, immediately during the season uh, via a trade or something to, to prevent something like that to happen where he could play 25 games? Or do they wait and wave him later on in the season where he just could not technically play 25 games with any NBA team? I, I don't know. We'd have to see. I, 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 that, those are the kind of things that I'm not really sure about. Like, you know, it's something that's a very uncommon thing, you know? Uh, so we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, yeah, and and a lot did happen with the Heat that wasn't necessarily. I hate to transition off of Bosch, but I think a big part of the of the summer as a whole, which we can touch on with Bosch, is a part of this. But obviously, the Miami Heat lost the greatest Miami Heat player of all time this summer, and there was a lot that happened, a lot behind the scenes that I'm sure Mike and I are not privy to. Um, with someone like yourself, Surya, who might have his his ear to the ground a little bit more of the Heat than we did. Um, can you tell us from your side of this what your opinion is on what happened with Wade this summer and, and, and really what led to him leaving? What led to him leaving, I think, was really last summer. Because okay. that's when I think it was already getting a little bit, you know, acrimonious, the contract details. They ended up working it out. They signed a short deal. I, I don't think things were really the same since that or maybe even since LeBron left. Um, hmm. I. I really don't know what happened because really what he ultimately signed for in Chicago wasn't really that much of a difference in, right. in, in, deal-wise. And I think Pat Riley is, yeah, he's old school. He's stubborn. You know, if he has a number in mind and he doesn't want to see what like what happened with the Lakers with Kobe, um, I could see that happening as well. But, uh, you know, who knows what really, really happened. But I can see that that way. I, I see I see both points of view. Um, and I think it's I think it's really sad. That I, I would never have thought he would he would ever play in any with any other team. I it think just it's looks weird. Yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's it's. I still don't even believe it. <laughs> it's um, crazy. It is. It is. And 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 really for nothing, really, because I think if both sides gave up a little bit, then none of this would be really an issue. So, uh, is it really just two stubborn men like digging into their heels and who's going to blink first and? Maybe Pat Riley didn't really think that that Wade had much leverage, and he's like, "Nah, he's not gonna really leave." And Wade's like, "Oh yeah, well, you know, I'm getting a good offer from from Chicago, their hometown team. I've always thought about maybe playing for them, and it's not so much a public relations like, I don't know, you know, you really don't want not for nothing. I, I hope there's no you know Nuggets fans that get offended by this, but really, Wade leaving Miami for Denver isn't really the same thing as him leaving back home to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. So I mean, it it is it's it's really weird. <laughs> I hate to reduce it to just weirdness, but it <laughs> it is weird how it really went all went down. And I, I wish it would have been different. I wish I wish he would just play his whole career here, like like Haslam is, and his his number we retired along with the big three and all. But th- you know things don't happen like that. So like, we see that all the time. We see Patrick Ewing leaving the Knicks. We see Jordan leaving. You know, it's 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 
Don't remind me. It, of it is very, yeah, <laughs> I know you personally, but <laughs> it, 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 it's weird as a fan to see uh, a player move on like that. Um, but also, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it's an organization and Pat Riley is it's such a um, he's such a huge presence over that that team, Pat Riley and his legacy and all that. And I don't think he will ever let, you know, a, a player dictate those sort of things. I think it's always going to be about the Miami Heat and not just one player. As, as huge as a player as he is, uh, I don't think Pat Riley would, himself would let that happen, where, where somebody can just take that over. And, and maybe not, you know, nothing to do with this actual conversation, but that might be something that is why maybe LeBron left ultimately too, where... You know, he's not going to give that kind of control to one player. Yeah, I, I think that's important. Uh, two questions. One is, I want is uh, I know that this may not have been like if you look at sort of the cap, it would have been sort of difficult to do because Wade had a unique contract and there were timing issues. But one thought is like, would you, as if you were Pat Riley, would you have just par- paid him off in the the Kobe style parachute contract that kind of keep you know? keeps him in town for one team and maybe hurts the team in the process. And the other the other question I have, which is sort of more in, important, is that given how Riley is, and Riley even made a joke about how he, I think he was joking, I hope he's not serious about this, that he had a draft of an email written to Wade that he had not pushed send on. And, you know, given this, given some of the, you mentioned LeBron, which I think is an interesting window into this, and given... You know, it's obviously not the same situation, but some of the talk of lack of communication with Bosch. I mean, is there is there a sense that maybe the Riley way uh, of doing things is not the way that it should be done now? Is it's too old school? It, it turns too many people mm. off. Uh, do you think that that's a fair statement to make at this point, given the acrimonious way that three the three pillars of this team have left? I think there's something to that. Yeah, I mean it's it, it it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell exactly what why Wade was asking for, you know, that contract when, you know, he's always been willing to take less. And I think at this point it's like, I'm not I don't want to take less. Like this is my time to get paid. And I think with Riley, given his age, I think he wants to have one more run at being a contender. And if he were to give that kind of contract to Wade, that would effectively end all that. Cause really, I mean, between between Bosch on the books, uh, trying to re-sign White, Hassan Whiteside, uh, trying to gra- grab pieces, trying to trying to build a, a team uh, to give Wade that kind of a contract, it would, you know, it, they're not going to be a contender. Not at, not at Wade's age, he's not getting any younger. He played really good last season, but there was no assurances that he could continue that or or play as many games as he did. So I think I think he was willing to give Wade a, a more than fair contract and i think he had a number in mind uh but but i think his priority clearly was trying to either uh somehow sign kevin durant uh but at the very least retain hassan Whiteside and and a few other young assets that they had and I, I don't think he wanted to lose those players for nothing uh and i think ideally he would have somehow convinced wade to to get it, take another discount and wade is like no that that you know i don't have that many years left i, I want to get paid and i yeah. and they didn't, you know, one, one of them, you know, was, was not going to get what they wanted. That's right. That's right. And you mentioned earlier, like it's that Riley kind of wanted to prove that it, the heat or the organization, it's not Dwayne Wade's team. He is not the fixture that it is the team itself, which I think is sort of ironic 
given that it's coming from Pat Riley, who very much likes to be the front and center person wherever he's been, um, mm-hmm. he's made it about himself in a lot of ways. And uh, again, that kind of strong personalities, um, chicken fight or what chicken fight, uh, like a uh, whatever that you know. It, it, two cars coming to crash into each other and one had to veer and, and playing a game right. of chicken. And, and in this case it was Wade who said, fine, I'll go find another team. And obviously there were some takers. He's still got a lot to, to provide. Sure. Is it awkward that he landed on the bulls in a, a situation that is just like the antithesis of where you'd really want to be. If you're Dwayne Wade, you, you know, that's it. Right. I'm going to leave and I'm going to go play with Rajon Rondo for Tim yeah. Hoiberg. Like it's like, yeah. it just doesn't necessarily make the most hometown, sense. <laughs> That's right. I mean, there's the hometown part, but it's, it's not like Wade isn't spending time in Chicago and, and let's be real. His hometown's Miami now. And that's where he's made his life. Um, since he was what, 21 years old. Um, yeah. And, and I still hold on to that feeling that maybe time heals wounds and he'll, sure. he'll come back and play one final season here. Man. That, you know, that's might be wishful thinking, but, uh, yeah, it, it, it's <laughs> going to be very awkward when he comes to play here and, sure. in Miami. But, you know, the, the, the heat to their credit when, when LeBron came back and all the, they, they and, and Shaq, we've seen that, too, where where Pat Riley had nothing but nice things to say with, about Shaq. Um, time does kind of heal, heal those kind of wounds. And I, I think right now it's just so fresh. That's right. Um, Man, I guess can, I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear it on your voice. Like we we hit a we hit like a soft spot there, and I and I know why, man. I know how that feels. It's definitely um, it's always awkward when one of your favorite athletes leaves and comes back and plays against your team. I have a weird memory as a child of Eric Lindros coming and playing the Flyers when he was on the Rangers, and it was just like. I love you. Why are you trying to hurt my team? So right. you'll have that, you know, that same weird emotion, and it'll become more and more real. However. There's plenty of guys still on the team we're not talking about. So we should probably get into the actual roster now, not the guys who are, have left or, or who are medically not cleared to play. Um, it's an interesting roster. They're going to be a lot faster. They're going to play a lot better defense now. Um, so why don't we talk about that? Let's um, let's kind of dive into the offseason that, that just was because um, there was a big re-signing of sorts, and there's kind of a new, I guess, alpha male on the team, the main man, if that's the best way to describe it, uh, in Hassan Whiteside. They gave him a big deal. What were your uh, thoughts on the offseason? Um, aside from those two kind of superstar narratives, let's talk about the actual composition of the roster. Are you happy with the way the team looks otherwise? I think it's a work in progress. I mean, okay. we see a lot of a lot of journeymen signing for short deals. Um but some players with potential and and a lot of players with chips on their shoulders, a lot of players that have a lot to prove. I think I think Hassan Whiteside has a lot to prove. He, he's always had a lot to prove since he joined the Miami Heat because he wanted to stay in the NBA. And he was always working towards that big contract. Well, now he's got it. How is he going to – How can he be a leader on this team? Can he be trusted on? Can – you know, sometimes we've seen him act a bit like a knucklehead. And I personally don't have a problem with that because – I grew up watching players like that all the time. I I, I, I recall Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn <laughs> and Anthony Mason going at it, and and even Udonis Haslam. People praise him when he gives a, you know, forehead uh, to uh, who was it? Tyler Hansbro. Yeah, uh, yeah. The heat pays. So then when when I don't know why with when Whiteside starts doing those sort of things, uh, people go you know gets. Get so get so offended by that. I think I mean, that's like the self fulfilling prophecy component, where like they want him to act out, and then when they right. see it, it's like ah, there it is. That's the yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although White Whiteside's got quite a history, though, so he does. I think does. there's at least a reason to sort of like kind of raise your eyebrows and just kind of wonder uh, how this is going to work. Oh, I wasn't going to get to that. No, no worries about that. <laughs> there definitely have been questionable moments. That's the thing, though. Can can we see him really mature into that kind of a? Maybe kind of like a Udonis Haslam, like he was been a captain for so many years. 
can he really and, and Alonzo Mourning too, he's always you know, he was always like that, just a fiery person, somebody that maybe couldn't keep his emotions down. Can he harness that for good? Can he really go, you know what, I'm gonna prove not not by talking trash or getting somebody's face, but I'm gonna prove it on the court and I'm gonna dunk on your face uh, for doing what you just did on the other side of the floor. That that's the Hassan White side that 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 he fans wanna see. The guy that is just an automatic double double, but can really, you know, galvanize that team and and kind of put them on the shoulders. And get, I mean, I don't want to get into snap judgments, but we we saw already uh, tonight uh, against the Wizards, all the Heat players had to do was kind of just throw it near the rim. He will get the ball and he will slam it home. He's going to get rebounds. He's going to do all those things. But can he put it all together over the course of a whole season? And, and and perhaps even lead this team to the playoffs and, and do something with, like what the Portland Trailblazers did last season, hmm. where, where, yes, younger players, less experienced, now they have the ball. Now they don't have to kind of um, s- settle for maybe trying to get Bosch or Wade involved because they're the, you know, they're the stars of the team. Now it's going to be uh, the, the workload is, is more evenly placed, and, and, and that's where maybe Hassan Whiteside can really – um, really do damage because he is a unique presence on on that court, and 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 if he can get on the same page with the coaching staff and, and with his teammates, he's going to have a great season, and and he will justify a contract like that. Because let's be honest, we've seen some really horrible contracts given out over the summer, and I don't think Hassan Whiteside is one of them. I, I'm watching to see how coachable he'll continue to be. Uh, it, not right now, and like you said, let's see how it. If he can string together a good stretch of this, let's see if he can. If things are not going well, like if he's not getting those early lobs uh, on the right. rolls, like how does how he react? He going to do, you know, early foul the, trouble. Yeah. yeah, and he no longer has Wade and even Bosch to sort of kind of. He does have Haslam still. It's a key veteran left, but they don't have Wade and Bosch to sort of set the tone every day. So, I'm curious. He has so much talent, and you can see. If he's committed to rolling to the basket, how tough their pick and roll game can be, you know, and they now have a little more ability to do that. I'm just, I don't know. I, I if it would, it would be a great coaching job, I think, if he can be locked in for 82 games uh, by Spolstra and great sign of maturity from him uh, if that can happen. Because because there's no cover, like he's got to do that now for that team to be good. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. so if he's if he's the I don't know if he's supposed to be the best player all around. We had a good question uh, from, uh, let's see, at Ranger Rags. Uh, who is the Heat's first scoring option, though? And what kind of growth do we see from, and I think it's a good time to interject Justice Winslow's name into this. Mm-hmm. So who who do you see as that first option scoring if it's not on the roll uh, to Whiteside? And then obviously take us into what you'd like to see uh, from Winslow this year. Hmm. I know Dion Waiters would love to be the number one scoring <laughs> option, but I don't know if that's really <laughs> that's really going to happen for him. But you know what? I you know kind of don't mind that there isn't a clear cut scoring op- number one guy there because Goran Dragic, we've seen him, you know, All NBA, you know, kind of player uh, in Phoenix. Um, we've seen some good moments from Dion Waiters last season as well. We've we we've seen the, uh, separately these kind of players kind of like show some glimpses here and there, but can they all put it together? And I'm also curious to see how Justice Winslow uh, picks up his game in, in his second season. And, and we haven't even talked about Josh Richardson yet, who is yeah. a super talent. Tyler Johnson as well. He's got a huge contract now. He has to live up to that, too. It's kind of like what I was saying before, that there is a lot of players with a lot to prove. Uh, and I know Dion wants you know a, a bigger contract next se- summer, too. Um, I, I think there's a, a, a lot of 
dynamic. It, I don't know how much depth they have, really, really. But I think in that backcourt, I think I think Goran, I think will will speed up the team, and I think that he can play better. Because I don't know if he really gelled that well with Wade, yeah. um, but at the same, but at the same time, I don't really recall. And I saw every game. I never saw what was supposed to be the starting five play together. I never saw Dang, Wade, Bosch, Dragic, and Whiteside play together. I mean, maybe they did a few times here and there, but they never got to 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 build that sort of chemistry. Right now, it's a it's a it's a almost a fresh new team. What will Tyler and Josh and 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 Goran do? With those extra minutes, with those extra opportunities, and and can can Dion Waiters, you know, show something that he really hasn't shown with such a high draft pick that he was? Um, that that thing that not just can he just score shot score because he can obviously he can can he get his other teammates involved? And they have you know they have a decent amount of playmakers on that team, um, and I, I'm really curious to see Josh Tyler and and Justice's progress this summer uh, this season because. It's really up to them now. They they really can't you know defer to, to Wade and Bosch anymore, or or even Dang and and Joe Johnson. They, they, they had some, they had a lot of veterans. They have a few veterans this summer, to, this this season too. But will they be able to pull it all together and and score consistently? Yeah, I am very excited to see what Justice Winslow does for an encore. I'm one of I'm a huge fan of his game. The three point shot has got to get better. It looked it looked pretty decent in the first preseason opener. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sure. I see him as like a top scorer, and I, I think that no. And and they're also going to because their four situation is so kind of messy right now with not only Bosch but Josh McRoberts is injured. So I assume Winslow is going to start at the four. Essentially, I'm not quite sure who would start alongside him otherwise. So. It's too bad that Josh Richardson got hurt, uh, hurt his knee, because I think he would have been a key guy that you could look at for a breakout. I'm not sure I really see a ton of playmaking ability there, but he can really sh- show he can really shoot the ball and he can really get into you. Uh, so I'm excited to see those guys play. I- I'm with Goran Dragic. You know, a lot of it was the bad fit with Dwayne Wade. Uh, I also just don't know if he's quite the same player he used to be. He's getting up there in age, and I'm not sure. And with maybe now that it's the four situation, it's kind of really the team is built around this. Maybe now we'll have more pick and roll chemistry with what with Whiteside. I didn't really see a great pick and roll chemistry there last year, so you know I'm just not sure what we can expect from a bounce back from Dragic, and you know maybe we'll see him really start to be unleashed, but I. You look at his career, and there's really that one year in Phoenix that kind of stands out. And the rest of the time, he's been a pretty good player, but I wouldn't say he's been kind of like a top option style player. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how that one works out. It will be, but, you know, we also have to remember that he played in the East and <laughs> which teams <laughs> got really better over the offseason, uh, which teams below the Heat in, in last season standings got better than the Heat. Uh, I'm not saying they're a lock to make the playoffs, but – you know they could fight for it. It's 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 it is kind of there for the taking. A, a, obviously, a lower spot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's the goal that they can have. Not so much for well, we have a first round pick next year, so you know um, we'll go through the motions. That that's not the Heat's way. They're gonna they're gonna they're gonna try it. Um, and I and I, it's gonna be an interesting uh, it's gonna be an interesting season. Let's let's put it that way, um, <laughs> for better for worse. Yeah, so that that actually leads into a question that uh, Danny Lee sent us on Twitter, uh, which I thought is actually sort of counter to what you said. So he asks, you know, 
How soon in the season do the Heat need to consider trading Dragic and or Whiteside? The idea being that basically, given that they don't have double max cat space next year and they they they're losing their key pillars and this you have said that it's sort of like more of a rebuilding year i think the the subtext of that question is like do they just kind of decide to blow this thing up and you don't think that's going to happen you think they're going to kind of keep these guys together they just i i don't, I don't know really that why would he would would do that um i i don't see them trading Whiteside. i mean unless it was i don't know some something crazy happened I could see maybe Dragic just to open up that kind of like that way, what that person was saying, maybe to open up that space to be able to sign two max players. Um, I, I don't know because yeah, they, they could try to maybe uh, trade Josh uh, McRoberts as well. Clear. I mean, there's a few players out there that, that might fetch something, but I, I, I don't see them just wanting to tank it, you know, at, at, the, at the trade deadline. Um, Especially considering how, um, if if it is what what happens with Chris Bosh, they'll have that cap space there and what they're going to do with it. Um, I, I can't see them moving uh, a wide side, but maybe Dragic. Maybe if they feel comfortable with the progress that that some of the younger guards have been have been showing. But uh, Josh Richardson and Tyler Johnson, they're not pure point guards either. Um, and what they had Ben Oudry. I mean, I, I mean, if they feel comfortable with that, <laughs> and but but that would be a clear indication that. They're just they're just not maybe necessarily tank it, but they don't really feel comfortable moving forward with the team that they have in place. But I don't know if that's because uh, they just want to hire a draft pick or they just want to consistent constantly retool the team. Yeah, it feels it feels like a trade might be a little bit uh, I don't know preemptive here, given that you really don't know what you have post Wade post Bosch. Right. Yeah. Um, so I mean, you, look, a fast start is going to be important um, for a number of reasons here, but probably first and foremost, just to make sure that that taste of Bosch not being there is out of the mouth, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it could definitely be a weird situation. It, um, it is a strong-willed organization from Riley down, but I will say this. This is the first time that Spolster has really had no other leader, and we'll say Haslam's definitely going to be the senior leader of this team, as he probably was for the last few years, even with the other stars on the team um, still. But this really is Spolstra's team to mold without anybody to say, this is my role in the NBA, and it's always been this way. Right. Um, so he's going to be able to decide a few different things. And I do feel like athletically, they're going to be able to match up defensively with every team in the East pretty well. And they've got interesting pieces that can match up um, small, match up big. You're talking about there was parity amongst the Eastern Conference. So I feel like it's a good time to probably get your prediction on the record here for how many wins you think they'll have. We do this every podcast. It's a lot of fun because we're going to go back and look at this. I promise. And we're going to see how wrong Mike and I are. Uh, and we'll probably be able to figure out how right, our <laughs> how right are. you are. <laughs> yeah, and how right you'll be. Um, Vegas thinks that the Heat are a 36.5 win team. And they won 48 games last year. So it would appear that the, the people who make these, uh, the smarter ones than us, Mike, Mike and I at least, believe they are a 12-loss team uh difference from last year 12 less wins that feels like a lot um but i don't know with all the parity we were just talking about um they tied last year we should say with uh three other teams four other teams and uh, had the same record so three others they're the hornets celtics hawks and heat all had 48 wins last year which is pretty ridiculous in its own right to have that many teams with the same record so there's plenty of parity with that being said they were the third seed last year where do they end this year I'm just gonna go with them being a 500 team. I'm gonna <laughs> split. I'm gonna split the difference between what, what Vegas things and what they how they finished uh, last season. Okay. And I, I'm gonna put them around there in, in the very low 40s. 
Confident. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go with the five hundred. Does that make the playoffs? Team. Does that get the? Does that make the eight or seven this year? I, yeah, in the East, I think so. we've seen teams with losing records before make the playoffs in the That's East. Uh, Not last year. No, 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 that's true. No, I'm saying like, you know, yeah, the last several years. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I want to go with that. 41 and 41. All right, Mike, what do you yeah. think? I look at that team and they're going to play hard every night. That's for sure. They're going to be on um, the second night of a back to back. I'm, I'm not sure I want to be playing that team, especially given where their home hometown is. Uh, if I'm a head coach, I don't want to see <laughs> that team on the second, but I, I don't think they have any real way to score other than sort of, hoping that Whiteside is just a presence in the role game, and that will help them get a bunch of wins, but I don't think it will help them get enough. Uh, and, you know, I, I just don't I don't see who's to score. I, I think it's asking a lot of guys like Winslow and Richardson to kind of handle that void. I don't think Dragic is going to be good enough to do it all by himself. So I think they're going to just have a lot of nights where they just don't have enough scoring talent. And while they'll be a pain in the ass to play, I would probably lean the under on that 36. I could see them scratching their way to a playoff bid, but I I think this is going to be a tough year for them given everything that's happened and you know, they'll be proud about how hard they play, but I I don't really see the the sort of scoring talent to be able to win enough games to make the playoffs in the East. Wow, I I kind of think that the the complexion of the team is going to be very interesting to see how they come out. The first 15, 20 games, I always talk about this, but I think they could be a 45-win team in the East that out-hustles teams that plays to a, a similar, I don't know, Call we didn't know the Hornets were going to be a 48-win team last year, and I don't see, um, I don't necessarily think that the Hornets and the Hawks are going to be the same 48-win teams that they were last year, although I think they'll be pretty decent. I do think that the Heat are going to slip below the Pacers uh, and Pistons. So I don't know. I, I guess I have them right around about 42 wins, 42 and 40. And and I don't think that does make the playoffs uh, in the East. I think the Eastern Conference is going to be about 43-44 to get in, similar to last year. Um, so maybe outside looking in. I don't know. Last year, the Bulls and Wizards were the, the two teams who, uh, who who both missed, and they were 41 and 41 and 42 and 40. I think there's some some interesting movement in that whole middle of the Eastern Conference. But, yeah, I think I, I kind of agree with Surya here. They're right about 500, give or take a game or two. I think 36 and a half from Vegas is shooting pretty low. Um, I was actually a little shocked to see that, um, given how much credit they've given to some other they teams. Lost. I mean, they lost. Yeah. Really, they lost Bosch. They lost Wade. They lost Luol Dang. They lost Joe Johnson. I mean, those are True. four incredibly important players to their their team last year. I mean, they lost a lot. That's true. That's true. But I think there's something to be said for Spolstra, again, being able to play with a younger, more dynamic athletic team, maybe to play a better defensive ball. Um, I don't know, we'll see. We'll see. It's and definitely and interesting. Let's, and let's not forget, too, there's, of course, there's injuries. There's yeah. trades. I mean, uh, the, the Heat acquired Dragic the same day that, that Bosch, uh, the news about Bosch's blood clots came out. You know, the... Mm. the the team that is the opening day roster, uh, at, at least you know with the Heat's concerned, but I'm sure it's the same thing with the NBA team, is not going to be the same team at the trade deadline and and at the end of the season too. So there's That's so true. much left uh, at, uh, to 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 see what what's really going to happen. In addition to what you guys are saying, how, how they're going to gel on the court, yada yada. Yeah. Right, right. And I, I want to pose this, too. I mean, look, Vegas has, uh, and Pray, I'll say this to you, Vegas has Orlando at 36 and a half wins, and I believe they have the Knicks and Bucks both at 38 and a half and 39 and a half. So I don't know if Miami's worse than those teams. Um, and that would be the, how they bump up into that 41 and 41-ish range, I would right? probably say, I mean, Milwaukee, I think, will be worse just because okay. of the loss of Middleton. Uh, and 
New York, it could be worse. Uh, I'm not totally wild about how that team <laughs> works. I think Orlando will have a better record than Miami this year. Okay. All right. Well, those are the teams that uh, that, that uh, Las Vegas has decided are in the similar ilk. I guess the Bulls are 38 and a half wins and the Hornets are 39 well, and a half. Let's see if the Bulls have a better record than Miami. <laughs> right. Actually. Right. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Yeah, that'll season. be interesting. <laughs> do, you, uh, do you know either of you off the top of your head when that first uh, Dwayne Wade homecoming is? Really not on the top right? of my head. It's is like, it early? Yeah, and I think it's, like and the I think it's only one. Yeah, well, it, it is. Yeah, and it's only once too. I think they only play three times. So you anticipate that being like an entire arena of people in Dwayne Wade jerseys, correct? That that yeah, that's going to be huge. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was Definitely. interesting to see. <laughs> What's the exact date? I think it's November fourth, right? Oh, it's real early. Nice. It is. Be- it is early. I don't know how early it is, but it, it's definitely early. Yeah. Let me look cool. this up. Uh, yeah. Heat While Mike looks Bulls this up, game. It, it's definitely early November. I, I know that. Uh, it is November tenth. Okay. There you go. November tenth. So it's I think the third week of the season. Cool. Is there a sorry? Is there anything else that uh, I mean? You you've been running this. Uh, this is your website here, right? The Hot Hot Hoops is uh, your baby. So is there anything else that we're missing from the pulse of? Uh, of the Heat fan base right now that we didn't touch on? I mean, it, it's it's been all about Bosch and Wade. I mean, that's yeah. really been the talk, it, almost to a, to a point where it overshadowed uh, any of those acquisitions. And they really kind of feel like rental players anyway because sure. Riley just wants to keep that flexibility for, for the next offseason. Yeah. Um, so it's it, that's just really been dominating all of that. I think maybe a savvier Heat fan will will be interested in seeing how those young guys uh, play mm-hmm. uh, because because the Heat really don't have the, the Heat have never really been all about the lottery <laughs> and 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 young players like that. It, it's not really Pat Riley's you know thing. You know you, you can always would rather have veterans like like a Joe Johnson or sure. or or Luol Deng to to play instead. So we're really going into uncharted territory here. That it's something that I really don't remember. Maybe, maybe that 15 win season that was something that <laughs> Heat fans want to forget about. That that's kind of like similar to that. But there's a much more promising young nucleus. I think. But I think once Heat fans and the casual, because in in this bubble that we have of blogging and 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 our fans that like will leave comments and all that. There's that one bubble. Then there's a huge other you know fan base that i don't know if we really think about that much which is the casual fan the ones that sure. we do see at the arenas that uh maybe arrive late uh, to those games uh, in the lower bowl those fans you know are are going to be hurt about wade and bosch but i think they're going to like what they see as far as those young guys they're going to rise up for dunks they're going to please the crowd and all that and i and i think then maybe that'll be the time and, and maybe that is a good thing that wade uh makes his return earlier in the season sure. and, and I think then they can kind of move on and and let this team uh, regardless of whether it's wins or losses let this team find its own identity and, and see who can rise above above that and and see who it really can really can play and, yeah. and those are the players that 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 Riley will want to retain for the next summer and maybe they can pair it with one or two maybe max free agents Maybe a little bit less than that. Maybe you know, maybe not the biggest name out in the market, but somebody that can really help the team and isn't just you know, big, you know, a big name. Sure. And then they, they're going to have a first round pick too. How, how high will that be? I don't know. Will they? You know, what what will they do with that? Um, that, that remains to be seen, of course. But it, 
kind of building together. I don't know to what degree it will be, but I think this is a, a challenge that, that Pirelli might, might want to take. It. This is his last real chance to, to build another contender. And we talked about it, too. This is also Eric Spolster's challenge, too, to yep. get the most out of this team. Um, yep. So there's, there's a lot of interesting things uh, at play here. Yeah, and I like I like that idea earlier you mentioned in the podcast of kind of like the the season as a tryout, like similar to what Portland did last year, where that creates mm-hmm. a feisty atmosphere that creates stronger practices. It probably creates greater focus one through ten on the roster too, because you don't necessarily have that that spot guaranteed uh, even past within this season, but moving into next season. And I also thought that comment, which perfectly sums up the limited upside podcast, by the way, that real fans live uh, on the blogs in the comment sections and not in the lower bowl at the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well. Well, I mean, every everybody has the right to be whatever sort of fan they'd like. <laughs> let's be let's be correct, politically. Yeah, correct I'm here. a I'm a sad one. Mike's a sad one, and uh, <laughs> sorry, you seem to be con- a little confused on your team right now. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Keyword was weird. We, weird has weird, been yeah. brought up a lot of times in this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I see a lot of uh, similarities here. As uh, and, I, and I'll give another off sports analogy, but like my the Phillies were really good with veterans, and then they all left at the exact same time, and you're left with this void of what is the next chapter, and that's always weird. It's always a little confusing, but it starts to formulate. Uh, and obviously, we didn't have the type of leadership on that base baseball team from the top down that Pat Riley does provide. So with that type of structure, his attitude, and I think his name in the game, uh, um, look, free agents and the city of Miami, I think we'd be remiss. We went the entire time, almost Mike alluded to it with the back-to-back night comment, but uh, Miami has, has pool. Uh, Pat Riley and Miami combined has a lot of pool. It does, but it, it didn't have any pull this year. It did, well, for the first time in a few years, yeah, right? Or, I mean, or last year, really. So Sure, uh, sure, that's know, true. We'll see. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see whether Miami and the Riley kind of name has the same pull it used to. Uh, yeah. It's going to be an interesting test because I think, especially given the poli- public feuds that, he's, that have happened with these big three on the way out, I wonder if that has an effect on Miami as a brand. Uh, into this next era it's going to be real a lot of interesting things happen with miami this year uh that's for sure indeed and we'll we'll hopefully have uh syria back on to discuss the uh first round of the playoffs when the heat make it right <laughs> sure something sure, like that i'm optimistic or, uh, uh, this. <laughs> or an nba draft lottery preview sure <laughs> yeah which we do a lot of as a sixers fan here and mike welcome to the lottery world wizards fan um right, we'll so it's uh, <laughs> i'm not sure let's see if we get there this year <laughs> of course, of course. Well, uh, Sergio Fernandez, thank you so much for uh, for joining us to go over all things uh, Heat here. We love what you do on Hot Hot Hoops, and please, please keep it up, bud. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. And, and Ben, congratulations. Uh, oh, thank you. This is going to be Ben's last show for a while because he is getting married this weekend. So uh, congratulations, nice. Ben. Uh, I'll be I'll be finishing up the last I think nine teams we have left. We're gonna have Charlotte coming up next with at the Hive, and then uh, the Hawks with Peachtree Hoops. Those are our two teams next. But um, Ben, don't think about the Limited Outside podcast for a month. Enjoy yourself, uh, and I got this. Cool. Thank you. I know I'm in good hands. Uh, and, and Mike, I hope to uh, see you with your dancing shoes on uh, come Friday night. So uh, I appreciate the uh, the love here. I'm going to miss doing this podcast. I know that the uh, the good previews will continue to churn out. And when I come back, the only thing that matters is that it's basketball season. I literally walk right off my honeymoon into the NBA season. And that is a great thing to have uh, in, the, uh, in the future. So very much looking forward to that. And until next time, everybody, the Limited Upside Podcast. 